from Rumi, I think. Yep. <laughs> Beyond this world and life we know, there is someone watching over us. To know him is not in our power, but once in a glimpse I saw that we are his shadow, and our shadow is the world. Are we awake? <laughs> you two are the most awake. <laughs> it's fun because partway through the meditation, all of a sudden I just felt myself come real present and I opened my eyes and everybody's sitting there and nodding off. And <laughs> It brought joy to me though. I really, it's fun to see that because especially, I know many of us here are here for the workshop and there's just that fullness of the weekend where we just, we do though. It's so easy for the body to, when really, when we immerse ourselves in spirit, just to kind of, the body kind of drops more as we really live more in that place of loving. And that's where it's nice to participate even in an outer action of a spiritual focus. Of course, we have the daily practice of the meditation of doing just that. But there's also the benefit of coming together in a classroom or a workshop or retreat setting as well. And it's just kind of a way to, to fill our cup and to have that first-hand experience. And for whatever reason, it just seems to be a little easier to really focus on that when we're together in a group. And a lot of that is because we have the support of each other and we're all focusing in the same direction. And that is a support, and it's nice to have. So use it however you find it benefits you by coming to class like this. And it's also interesting, I realized in the meditation just now that, you know, every Sunday here we are getting together for class. We call this class. And usually we just do a meditation and a sharing. You know, leave it at that. Always talk about meditation and all that good loving stuff. But one thing I realized in the workshop, what do we do in the workshop or the retreats? Well, we not only talk about spirit and we do the meditation because that's the core thing, but we also give exercises to do, experiential processes, so that we participate and take action in what we're talking about. And I realized, my gosh, you know, we come here to Sunday class. What usually takes place in a classroom besides teaching? Isn't there usually like a homework assignment? So now we take what's taught and then, you know, do the homeworks that we learn and have our own experience with it. So maybe Jim and I need to be more clear in the assignment part in doing the homework. <laughs> but you see, we've always just kind of placed it in your hands, and we always will, because it's total freedom of choice. Really, the meditation is the homework. That's really all there is, and that's why we talk about it all the time. But, you know, time to time, maybe it's good to have a little assignment of some sort that maybe might help us, as we spoke of, priming the pump to kind of get that action of loving going inside of ourselves. So just like in the workshop, we gave a, a simple little exercise, such as reading a poem from one of those poets that have been teachers of this pathway from the past. And in reading that, it's a homework assignment, right? But in reading that, when we really move into a state of contemplation, not just thinking about what we're reading or hearing, 
but really contemplating it, meditating upon that. In that action of contemplation and meditation, do we then open a space within ourselves to begin to receive of the essence of the teaching? And that's really the deeper teaching. It's not the words, but that essence from which those words even come. So, I would put upon you to take it upon yourself, if you wish, doing your own homework, creating your own homework. Don't look to Gemini to give it to you, but rather look to yourself, to give it to yourself, and then to do it. Whether it's reading a poem and contemplating that to get that deeper meaning, whether it's sitting down for 10, 20, 30 minutes and focusing upon the name of God. Even if it's once a week, just like a class. What I'm trying to get at here is that it can really benefit us to have some type of a structure. Just like we go to school, there's a structure, a certain time, a certain place, certain teaching. We go participate, we learn, and we do the homework, we get the benefit. But that's why we also do the classes like this. We have a place of gathering, a structure, a time, a place that we can now go focus on learning about spirit. And yes, we actually do the homework right here in class when we do the meditation. But there are other things that we do present, as I'm saying, the poetry, the contemplation, or other, let's call them extra credit assignments that we can use to support that deeper inner work. But it's really up to each of us to do that. And if anything, Jim and I would hope that after each class, after all the sharings, that you get something, even if it's one little tidbit that you can take from the classroom and begin to apply it in your life. So yeah, we have the homework like doing the meditation, doing the poetry, the contemplation, and those help inspire things. But then there's the other type of homework called now, how do I put this into a practical daily use in my life that's going to benefit me all around? And that's really the greater journey that we're really learning to do. But first we have to awaken to that loving inside. And then as we do, we can begin to see how that can come into all the other parts of our internal life, and then even, how do we live that externally? Truly, it's never externally. But because we have this focus where we look into the world, we're always caught up in the outer and the external. How do I live this in here, also here? That's really the greater homework assignment that we're all living, whether we realize it or not. But here's the wonderful difference, is when we realize the homework that we're doing or participating in, we become more conscious, and that's how we learn. Most of us are walking around life unconsciously, so we're not really learning. We're not really waking up to life's lessons or life's mysteries. It's another nice way of putting it. I mean, don't we probably prefer a good uh, mystery game or discovery rather than, oh God, I gotta do homework and learn the lesson here. Why don't we approach it more of a, of a mystery, something to solve, something to discover, something to find? Because approaching how we approach can make a big difference in what unfolds for us, both inwardly and outwardly. 
life can take on a whole new essence just by how we approach it. You know, there's an old saying about get, you get out of it what you put into it. What attitude are you having in doing your life? Those are other ways to look at it. I just think the attitude thing's gotten a bad rap, so you don't hear me talk about it too much. I like talking about our approach to life. And that's where I find when I approach it with more of that childlike innocence of a curiosity of discovery, then the learning takes place automatically. And then it's a joyful adventure rather than doing homework. But that's how I do it. Maybe that might be a way you can do it too. Or maybe something else. That in even hearing this, you might all of a sudden have your own ideas of maybe the way you can approach life that make it more of an enjoyable process, that make it more of a process of discovery and awakening rather than just doing the drudgery of things because i got to do this and get it done. But you do it and get it done through a joyful participation. And then learning is fun. And that's really the way to learn spiritually is to have fun. Make it fun. Make it a discovery process. That's that whole thing. Become like little children. That innocence, that curiosity, the joyfulness, where life is interesting. Can you remember it all back when you were a little kid and when things really were interesting and fun? It was so fun to climb a tree, to go roll in the grass, to go dive in the lake, just to have the experience, not to look at it and think about it, but to go do it, to have the experience. And then it was always fun. So that's part of the process here, is beginning to move more into that childlike state of consciousness again. Or, the other way of saying to look at it, is really how we approach life. Approach life more childlike. But we've got to look at the qualities of children in order to realize what that is. It's all inside of us, but maybe simply it's been a process of us forgetting as we've grown up. I like that when I act certain childish ways sometimes and somebody says, grow up. Why? Why? But, borrowing Jim phrase, that's their problem, not mine. But that's what the world will do to us, is try to put upon us their problem or their way. And that's all right. If we go into reaction and we judge that and make that wrong, We've just now got caught up in their game. And it's just the way it works. So part of the journey of discovery is seeing how the way things work in this world. And then learning to really focus on the joy, the curiosity, the discovery, the loving, the acceptance. That's their other qualities of kids. They're so loving and accepting of the way things are. Or forgiving. You ever know those little kids, they can be really upset one moment, and a second later they're off doing something else and laughing and having a good time. You know, forgive and forget. They don't even bother forgiving. They just forget because there's nothing to forgive. It was just a momentary thing, and they didn't hang on to and now carry it with them. You know, like holding a grudge, carrying the burden. They don't do that. Because they're living more the innocence of the soul 
and that joyful childlike nature that the soul is, the child of God. But in this journey of life, there is this process of learning. And that's what the soul is here doing, is learning. But it's learning through living, through experience. So what I'm saying here is that's obviously going to go on regardless. You can't stop it. But what we can do is change the way we approach living, the way we approach doing our lives. That's what makes the difference. One, just if we want a nicer, lighter, more lovable, joyful life, makes a difference just there. That's pretty nice. But the other nice thing is, if you really want to wake up to the greater journey of life beyond the physical, beyond our attitudes, then that's what it takes. That's more the inner work. And that takes a conscious effort. That's why it's important to do the homework, the work that it takes to go home. But that work is more of this joyful discovery, as I'm speaking of, like little children. That's not a drudgery. That's not a heaviness or a burden. It's not a have to. You've got to do this or you're going to be punished. It's not that type of work. It's really more home play. So take a look at that in your own life. How you approach it, maybe how you might want to approach it. And then begin to find ways to go about doing that. To take action, to start doing it. To set up or to schedule those activities that support you in doing that. Just like coming to the Sunday class. To do that for yourself. Or if it's not coming to a class, scheduling in, doing your meditation. Whether it's on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, whatever. Schedule it in. Do it. Set up some form of structure. Because often if we don't make some kind of appointment, usually we'll just let it slide because, well, I'm too tired. I really should be doing this. I've got these other things to do. Blah, 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 blah. Maybe that's the most challenging part, is maybe just simple actions of discipline. Well, really, how disciplined is it just to make an appointment with God, to spend time with God, to discover what God is, discover who you are, discover what the soul is? Make an appointment. Schedule a class. Schedule a time. But you're the one who's going to have to honor your commitments. Honor your appointments. Follow through with it. Some of us come to class and do these things because we, don't know we, we know we don't have the self-discipline, but I know if I go to a class and participate, well, then I'll do it. If anything, I'll do it out of shame or embarrassment because I don't want other people to think badly of me. Well, that can be a good motivation. I call those my negative motivators, the not-so-friendly ones. What? They motivate. You better do this or you're getting a spanking. Right? Yeah, that changes behavior. But this is a different type of behavior I'm speaking of. Not about the behavior of the world, but the behavior of spirit. And really doing those things to take care of ourselves. But being the adults that we are, what do we do? Even we set things up, even those things to support us, and then if we don't do them, what do we do? Do we often punish ourselves, spank ourselves, whether it's through judgment or shame or embarrassment, whatever it is? 
That's part of the learning, though. Part of that whole dynamic, just like adults and kids in the world, we have those things running inside. So a lot of that is learning how to be both the parent and child to ourselves and learning how to work that dynamic within. And that's called inner communication. The most effective communication that I found is communication that's done in loving and acceptance and forgiveness for when we go into reaction. So as we learn to communicate within ourselves, is when we're going to begin to find that greater alignment to really participate in that greater movement of spirit in all of life. And even out here, even with all this God that is out here and everyone else that all things are made of. It's a step-by-step. Step. There's a process here. Let's always start within and let it unfold from there. Just let it unfold. But the way it unfolds in your awakening is by you consciously participating with the unfolding action as it's happening. That's the difference. Your conscious participation in the unfolding action of life. Not your unconscious participation, your conscious participation. That's the difference. We're already all one. We're already the soul. We're already in the oneness of God. We just don't know it. So if we want to know it, we just simply need to consciously participate so we wake up to the knowing of what already is. That's the difference. It's really that simple. Sorry, you guys, there's no magic here. We can't wave the magic wand and say abracadabra, hocus pocus, and then it's all different. The neat thing is, when you start to do the inner work like I'm speaking of, that is really waving the magic wand because that's the wand that clears away all the illusion, dispels the illusion, the fears, the doubts, the judgments, so that we can wake up and see the truth of what life is. And it's so funny because when we wake up to the truth, that's often what we call miracles. Oh my God, that was miraculous. Was it? Or is that really just the ordinary unfolding truth of spirit as it always is? And all we did was dispel the illusion to wake up to the truth of what's taking place. How's that for a different approach, a different perspective of how we're living life? But that's often what it takes, is that we have to approach life differently to get that different perspective, to see the greater truth. Because if we just keep living it the way we've been living it, and all we see is the illusion, then we're just going to keep seeing the illusion. It's not going to change. We're the ones who have to change in order to now see something different than what we've been seeing. So go to school. Let the teacher present to you something else to look at, a different way of looking at the same thing. If we don't present ourselves, then there's really no opportunity. We're not opening any doors or even giving God a chance 
to present itself to us so that we can see the truth as it really is. So we've got to do something in order to create that space. We've got to present ourselves and then be open to that divine presence back. There's action required here. Action is required. It doesn't just happen. It happens as we take the action steps. That's why you always hear us talk about participation, doing, experiencing. Because that's how we awaken. The wonderful thing is too, when you take action and you participate, at least some part of you is going to pay more attention to what you're doing. If you don't pay attention, even if you just stand up and start walking, if you don't pay attention, you might trip and fall. Think of it as a kid. You didn't know how to just stand up and walk. You had to learn how to stand up and then learn how to walk. It took months. Same thing here. It takes time to learn how to stand up, how to walk. It takes a conscious focus, but then we get the benefit of it. And then now as adults, we just know how to move about freely. We don't even have to think about standing up or walking. We just do it. Because now it's just an unconscious habit. Wouldn't it be nice to be living spirit that way, that we're fully awake and just living spirit? And I'm not using the word unconscious because when you're living spirit that way, you're conscious, but it's just now flowing because you're so living it so fully. It's automatic, but it's conscious. Well, that's what we're moving towards in this pathway of meditation, is to be consciously, naturally, automatically living in the flow of life itself the way it is, rather than the illusion and the way it is. It's just turning around, just turn around. It's even a fun exercise to do. You should do that during a workshop sometime. Have everybody stand up. Now stand and look at your illusion and then we'll say, now turn around 180 degrees and now look at the light. That's what we're doing in meditation, is simply turning around and looking at the light. The funny thing is, it's that simple. It's just hard to sometimes recognize it or realize what we need to do because we didn't have the awareness up until the point we do. So participation, learning, loving. It all goes hand in hand. There's no way to separate any of it. All we're doing is talking about the different aspects, the different components. And then in that, as loving awakens, we see where all that really works together as one movement, as one flow. That's why we ask, don't take any one thing we share in here and think that's it. It's not. It's only part of all of it. But if that one thing helps you for where you're at right now in your life experience, work with that one thing. But don't make it the only thing. Work with that one thing so that it helps you to move into the one that is in everything. I'm kind of taking all the pieces now. And then it's a matter of assembling them so you have the whole picture. 
Because that's what's happening. All the pieces are just coming together little by little. In past workshops, we've asked people, what's your intention in this workshop? What are you coming here for? What do you want? You'll hear all kinds of different intentions. I want to wake up and know God. I want to know myself. I want to know my soul. I want to know the loving. I want to find that inner peace. I want more joy in my life. Those are all wonderful intentions. So at different points in life, we will have different aspects or qualities that we focus on. And that's important to do as well. Life's not meant just to be also and have the whole thing at once. Otherwise, we'd be done like that. Life's the journey of moving through each thing step by step by step. And it's through each experience of all these different qualities do we now fulfill another part of ourselves, and now fulfill another part of ourselves, and now fulfill another part of ourselves, until we are full and complete by journeying through each of these qualities. That's the road to oneness. That's the road to becoming fully conscious of that oneness in spirit. So don't worry about trying to get there all at once and have the Big Bang awakening. Realize you'll get there, you'll have the Big Bang, but it's going to be a little pops along the way. The more you can let that be okay and come into acceptance, the easier you'll be on yourself because then you won't be so demanding and pushing on yourself to get it all now. Why aren't I getting it now? Am I stupid? Or the flip side, yeah, I'm so smart. I get all this stuff they're talking about. Those are usually the biggest idiots. And that's usually the greatest downfall is the ego that thinks it knows. And all it does is elude its true self by playing that game. Better be the spiritual fool than the one who knows it all. But not as a judgment. This isn't a judgment. This is called pay attention to what you're doing in yourself. Yeah, it's easy to point out there, look at that idiot. Look at that fool. Look at whoever, whatever. It's easy to do that. But look in yourself. What are you doing in yourself? Are you calling yourself an idiot? Stupid? A fool? Or are you looking in here at the truer self where you truly know the loving of who you are that loves and accepts yourself and all things. That's the one to look at. And then it won't even matter what anybody's doing out here. The other nice thing is when you really focus inside, all the things going on out here and all the other things people do, they eventually are going to wear off your own reactions to the outer world. I'm not going to say they're going to go away completely because as long as we're in the body, there's always going to be a little bit because polarity is what keeps this world going. Without it, it just won't even exist. So little by little, we're becoming more and more neutral until that last polar charge is dropped and then we're free. But that happens little by little. We're getting more neutralized step by step, more loving step by step freer and freer, step by step, until we're really fully free. So if you want life easier, 
you're tired of your own reactions with what's going on in the world and other people around you, spend more time in meditation, loving yourself, loving that part of you. Because often that part that is in reaction is like a hurt little child that somebody yelled at, somebody scolded, or somebody simply just didn't give the child what it wanted. Some kind, sometimes the kids, the spoiled little brat, say, I didn't get what I want. Wah, wah, wah. There's all these different reasons. That's why I say, just look at little kids in the world. They demonstrate what goes on inside of us all the time. But we as that parent, how have we worked with that? Have we punished the child inside? Have we allowed the child to run loose and do whatever it wants? Or have we found a nice loving balance to hold the child, to love the child, to throw its tantrums, to do what it does, and at the same time say, no, we're doing this. We are going to hold to this. I hear you, I love you, and we're going to hold to the loving and hold into that focus. It's okay what you're doing, but move towards the loving when you're ready. Not making it wrong, not even telling it it has to move towards the loving, but just letting that part of you know, I'm going to hold to the loving, and when you're ready, you know where to find me in the loving. And then as it moves towards the loving, it'll transform. But how does it move towards the loving? Because as you talk and communicate to that part of yourself, you are sharing that loving with yourself. So share the loving with yourself, and as that part of you gets the loving, It'll begin to like it because loving nurtures, it heals, it satisfies. And then that childlike part inside will want more. Come for the little treat called love. And so the little child starts coming more and more into that alignment with the loving because it likes how it feels. It likes the experience. But it's the adult part of us that holds that focus, that has the discipline to stay focused on the loving so that all those other parts inside here can come into alignment and that the adult part, that conscious self, can also now share the loving into all those different parts of us that may be out of balance or out of alignment with the loving. So that's part of what goes on here in this classroom. This inner classroom within yourself is just learning what's in rebellion, what's in reaction, what's upset, what's angry, what's mad, what's joyful, What's whatever? And not make it wrong, but just to love it as it is. Because it is only through truly loving it as it is and accepting no matter what is going on does a true freedom of loving come in that does bring all things into alignment and fulfillment. That's how it unfolds. You can't force it, you can't make it happen. Think about it. How many times have you made yourself try to go on a diet, try to get in an exercise program, try to meditate regularly, try to go to work or school every day, try to do whatever religiously? I'm sure you've had successes in doing that, but haven't you also had those things that you tried to make yourself do it and you just can't seem to get around to doing it? That just sets up a battle and a struggle. So how you approach that is what can make the difference in now letting go of the battle and the struggle 
then it's an invitation to participate in loving. That's a lot more enjoyable. Think about it. I'm going to go to little kids again. See a little kid and a parent scolding it or saying, shut up, stop yelling, stop crying. And you see him going to more reaction. Or have you ever seen a parent that just accepts a child and understands and then just holds them and loves them and nurtures them? And the quiet, then the child also becomes quiet and calms down because they're getting the loving. It's kind of like that. Look how you approach yourself that way. Are you scolding yourself, the child is inside? Or are you holding and loving and nurturing, embracing that part to let it know it's loved and watch it just melt? These things all go on inside of us just like we see in the world around us. Everybody's got their homework cut out for them. But how do children respond best? When it's play. It's playtime. I, I know a couple parents who got their little child to learn how to eat their greens, their vegetables, like asparagus and broccoli, all the ones we don't like as kids. They made it a game. And in the game, the child started eating it. And now the child loves that healthy food that doesn't taste so good, especially as a kid. You know, one of those things that are an acquired taste. Because it was a game. Start to have more games with yourself. Don't take this the wrong way, but start playing with yourself more often. <laughs> or take it whatever way you want. I don't think there's a real right or wrong way. So. You experiment in however you want to play with yourself. <laughs> but if you start playing with yourself in the way I'm describing, you're going to begin to see your inner life and your outer life transform and be such a more enjoyable, nicer process to live. But you've got to work it. You've got to play it. Make it a game. It's called the game of life. Some people are serious on games, then it's no fun. Some people just love to play because it's fun. So it makes a difference, once again, how you approach the game. So how do you approach the game of your life? And if you don't like the way you approach it, then look to see how you can change it and maybe how you want to change it. What do you want it to be like? You've got to get a clear intention of what you want it to be, and then to now take steps towards that. And if you don't know what the steps are, go find out. Seek it out. Ask. Look. What is that? Ask, seek, and knock, and you shall find. The door shall open. The answer will come. That's the journey. That's how we keep it going. But that's the homework. That's us taking action and participating. Ask, seek, and knock. I like that. A Ask, K. Ask. Another acronym. Ask, seek, knock. It works. But that's how we learn. And then it's just a matter of finding a way that we can do it in the way that we want it to be done. And realize we're the ones responsible for getting it done the way we want. And when you really start doing that, 
one, like I was saying earlier, yeah, your life will get better. You'll be so much happier. You'll feel confident. You'll feel good about yourself. But a lot of that is because you are the one who's taking responsibility to create the life you want. Another nice thing is when you do that, you'll find yourself complaining a lot less too. You'll find yourself not making excuses like you used to. You'll find yourself telling the truth and being honest with even those around you more often because you're being honest and telling the truth to yourself. And you realize that feels a lot better when I do that with myself. And even though it can be challenging doing it out here with others at times, it still feels a lot better even if they don't like the truth that I'm sharing. I'm not making it their truth. This is just my truth. 